Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week we're joined by Fiona. Fiona is exactly the type of person that I had in mind when I started this podcast. Um, She doesn't have much of a social media presence. Um, She has been consuming the Souls games for a while, but hasn't really contributed back to the community. She sent me an email and said she had some really interesting ideas about uh, some of the lore stuff involving the royal family in Dark Souls 3. So we talk, and I get her on the show, and she proceeds to blow my mind with some of her lore theories. Um, they're at the end of the episode, and they're, you know, revolve around Egyptian gods and the mythology of possums. Yes, possums. And all in all, it was just a delightful conversation. Um, take a listen. Let me know what you think. At the time we recorded, Fiona didn't have a Twitter or a YouTube. However, since then, she has created a Twitter, so she can you can find her at Grand Archives. Um, obviously, there's going to be a link in the show notes, and also to her YouTube page, which is named Grand Archives, and um, you can search for that, or you can just look at the show notes and find it there. As always, if you'd like to come onto the show, uh, like Fiona did, and share your crazy lore theories or your personal soul stories or whatnot, send me an email, dguspodcast at gmail.com, and we'll come and get you on the show. Thanks, and enjoy the episode. souls through my brother. Um, I visited him in Sydney when I was on break from university and um, basically I could hear him like screaming from the uh, TV room upstairs, my souls, my souls and um, (laughs) I just just, like rushed upstairs and I saw saw him really frustrated at the television screen and the thing is he's a diehard gamer. And we've been playing games since, I don't know, uh, back in Sega and Nintendo days. And um, and so um, his frustration at this game that was called Demon Souls, like, piqued my interest because he's not one to react in such a way. He's very reserved. So I sat down and watched him play, and I just had never seen anything like it. Even though I had played, like, JRPG titles like Sukaden and Final Fantasy often. I definitely saw mm-hmm. that Demon's Souls was in a league of its own. and um, Something completely different. Yeah, it was really amazing. It was just um, so atmospheric and, and silent. And then, um, yeah, it was, um, he, he didn't really quite know what was going on, but he just really enjoyed it. Um, and so basically uh, a couple of years later, um, my peers too was fried and, um, I think the laser just went out or something. And um, my boyfriend at the time bought me a PS3 and a copy of Dark Souls um, that my brother recommended. And so that's when I started playing um, Dark Souls. But it wasn't my first introduction to From Software. We um, actually started playing um, Armored Core 1, actually. On the PS1. Oh wow, that's back in the PlayStation One days. Yeah, yeah. Or two. Yeah, and it was the weirdest thing because I, I, we usually it wasn't a two-player game. We we just took turns. Um, 
And I always got so irritated because my brother would just sit on the menu screen or in the garage or something, just mecking out his neck and everything. And then the game, <laughs> the gameplay would only last for like a couple of minutes. And he just back at the menu screen just like for oh, ages and I'm um, just fitting it out and, and so, and I don't know if the translation was very strong, like, or whether I was young, but I didn't really understand the story, but I understood that it was about, you know, people living underground and there was a, a, some sort of, like, corporate warfare going on. Um, That's already more than I know about the entire Armored Core series, besides, <laughs> you know, mechs. So you've you got a leg up on me, even if you didn't understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was pretty young playing that game. Um, so... Yeah, basically, Dark Souls just um, was amazing. It was it was really such an experience. Um, I suppose it was just the hybrid of like international cultural reference, the architecture in it, um, the depth of detail, and you know, and it just infiltrated my thoughts at every waking moment like I just really couldn't stop thinking about it um, it was really <laughs> awful and um I was just really um you know wanting to complete the game to find out more about the story so I, you know, I collected every item you've probably got like every single person out there listening to the podcast like nodding along with you right now like yep that, me too me too <laughs> that's exactly how I was <laughs> yeah exactly it was just yeah it was really amazing um yeah, I really struggled through it, but um, I did manage to platinum it in the end, which was um, pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said you did or you didn't? I'm sorry. Oh, I did. I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's not an easy platinum either. Like you have to go into like new game plus plus to get all the souls on the same character and all that stuff. Like it's not it's not a particularly fun platinum to get. Although you know, Dark Souls is just fun in general if you're addicted to it, like most people are. Oh yeah, it is a lot of fun. I think I I stopped at um, NG three plus with my platinum character. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So when you would like, how much of the story did you pick up on, or was it more of a gameplay thing that drew you into it? Like, was it was it the world, or was it the mechanics that kind of got you thinking about it all the time? It was both, actually. Uh, yeah, I never had a game where I could completely create my character. It wasn't like a, I think, I think like, you know, my experience in Final Fantasy, you just pump the points up to 99. That's what you do. Like, and, um, <laughs> um, you know, and then you just go in, you become these like gods and everything. But in Dark Souls, you don't really do that. You have to be really careful and watch your stats and see where they bounce. Um, and, um, and yeah, but but the um, the story really um, really grabbed me and confused me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did it take you a while to like pick up on the like item descriptions and things like that? Because it took me forever to realize like that's how the story was mostly being told. Oh no, actually, um, I I picked up on it pretty early. Um, basically, I we didn't I didn't have the internet um, when I started playing Dark Souls. Um, um, Dark Souls 1 and I didn't have like a PlayStation account I just moved house and we were getting the internet set up so I was playing like offline for a good month and so mm-hmm. um, and I actually didn't realize that there was a community so I didn't even think to like 
look on the internet about it. So I just sort of, um, I just didn't think about it. Um, and so I sort of just kind of like struggled through and read everything and mashed every button I could just to figure it all out. Um, and yeah, I, I gathered a lot from definitely the item descriptions and um, the, the built environment, um, you know, because it, it is, it has that special effect, which um, that, that kind of atmosphere, which, which really is integral to the story, um, you know, the mm-hmm. journey through from bonfire to bonfire. When you were, uh, so you're going bonfire to bonfire, like were there any, since you were kind of cut off from the internet, like were you, um, did you, were there any like crazy dumb mistakes that you made that you look back and you go like, oh man, I can't believe I did that? Yeah, the biggest mistake that I had was definitely um i think the bonfire where the sunlight covenant is i thought that was okay yeah place because i went i went past um you know how you can turn left to go um to defeat the gargoyles or you can turn right to andre the blacksmith so Mm -hmm. basically i turned right and then i heard this like banging sound and I was like, there's no way that I'm ready for that. I am not going in there. What the hell is that? <laughs> and so, just like to beat the gargoyles, I had to do it over and over again because I had to go through all the level and just to go up to the gargoyles because I didn't realize there was a bonfire there. So I just... Oh no, that's the worst. <laughs> so like you're killing all of the, yeah, oh my God, that's the worst. Yeah, I just, it was like the biggest noob thing I have ever done. So yeah, I definitely um, attempt to explore anything, even though, you know, I was a bit of a scary cat. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think die. most people play, like, their first Souls game with their shield up around every corner and, like, like tilting the camera around so they can see across the corner or something to see if there's any enemies. Oh, yeah, I was definitely doing that. <laughs> 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 yeah, that was... Um, that's, that's like, so can you talk about, like, what kind of, like, because if you were going to this blind, like, what were you doing as far as, like, builds? Like, were you just putting points into whatever, or did you f- kind of figure it out pretty quick? Like, oh, I have to do strength or dex or what have you. Oh, so basically, um, I went, I think I went in as a pyromancer, you know, because um, I'd never, I'd never heard of a pyromancer and people, so that was interesting. Um and so I started putting points into uh, vitality, definitely, and realized, realized, you know, I wanted that bar to go up. And then um, mm-hmm. I, I, I had to put points in dexterity because that goddamn dragon, like, I, couldn't, I couldn't figure out, like, I wasn't fast enough to go through him. And I was like, oh, God. And so I had to, like, walk all the way back to, you know, the, the, um, uh, what is it, the vendor and pick up all these arrows and everything and just, like, figured out a place to, like, shoot him. And then I discovered that, you know, if he shot his tail, the sword would come out, which was pretty crazy. And it happened to be a really So, like, sword. you... I was about to say, so you, you came across that naturally? Like, you didn't, like, nobody told you, like, oh, good, 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 you know, shoot the dragon's tail or whatever? No, I came across that naturally, and I'm really surprised at that. It was only because I was... Meat. <laughs> I was, uh, it was only because I was like too um, slow to like cross the, cross the fire because I had, I didn't re- understand equip load. <laughs> so I was like fat wrong. 
<laughs> and so that's how I killed the dragon because I was fat wrong. <laughs> <laughs> hilarious i've never heard of anybody like figuring that out on their own like it's always like that story that you hear is like my buddy told me to go shoot the dragon's arrow or shoot me the dragon's tail for like a thousand times and i'll get a cool weapon like that's the only story i've ever heard about that that's great that's awesome yeah yeah um yeah i I didn't really um want to put points in dexterity i wanted to be this like you know huge sword swinger but um i haven't found a sword yet that i liked so um, yeah, so I used that sword um, pretty much all the way to Anna Wonder um, and um, had, oh, I think I had, and I had so much trouble with Ornstein and Sword. <laughs> like, Were you still using the Drake Sword at that point? Yes, I was using the Drake Sword at that point. <laughs> I would just walk in <laughs> Ornstein would just rush me and I'd just be dead. It was just ridiculous. Um, but about that time, I, I started like um, equipping um, different armor that I found, and then discovered that I could roll further, and then um, and so that kind of helped me a little bit. Yeah. Nice. It must have been a, a, a big struggle trying to figure this out, this stuff out with like no help whatsoever, like no friends to guide you or anything, because most of the people that I hear about on. Um, this podcast or like, Oh yeah. You know, I had a friend that tell me this and this, or I went to a wiki to look, you know, this and that up or, or what have you, but trying to figure all that stuff out by yourself sounds extremely daunting. Yeah, it was really daunting. I, I spent hours and hours just dying over and over again in undead work. Like, <laughs> like hours, I think I put in a good 20 hours or something. In undead I'm impressed that you got past Sense Fortress with the Drake Sword because that's generally when that weapon kind of you realize like oh wait this weapon is kind of lame like it's not doing any damage to these um, lizard people that I all all of a sudden fighting. Yeah, it was um, difficult. That that um, Sense Fortress was pretty pretty crazy, especially when I met that um, rapier. I think the first like uh, aggressive NPC. and yeah, so that was the first NPC battle that I had. So, and he, he just annihilated me all the time. But um, yeah, so he taught me about like keeping my shield up and you know, um, you know how much you know taking care of my endurance and everything and how many hits I could take and, and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I tried to parry him, but yeah, wasn't really successful. <laughs> <He's> really <good>. <laughs> <laughs> Help. How long do you think it took you to like finish that game for the first time? Oh, um, probably like uh, two hundred hours plus. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Did you um, eventually like get access to the internet and look at it, look stuff up, and go, "Wait, how did I miss all of this stuff?" Or did you do a pretty good, a pretty thorough job of finding everything in your several hundred hours of playing? Oh no, I, I started using Wiki. Um, basically, what happened was we got the internet connected. And, you know, and my brother told me about, you know, Dark Souls, you got to try the online gameplay. So I signed up for a PlayStation Network account and um, and then um, connected up and the whole world just went boom. Like it just opened up completely. There were all these like orange signs around. There were these like little white phantoms running around who I thought were attacking me. So I was like running away and then... Um, and they were just, yeah, it was amazing. Like, it, you know, were all these messages. <laughs> I was like, wow, people are playing this game. This is incredible. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, it was, it was just 
it just just added so much more to the game and that's when I got invaded (laughs) (laughs) and that's when you turn the game off forever (laughs) in the podcast (laughs) no um yeah my first invasion made me like um start to use the wiki definitely um I, I just didn't know what was going on. I basically, I basically was waiting around, um, the filing shrine, and then, um, and I started walking uh, to the undead berg, and then there was like this black and red like enemies just walking around, and they just like, <laughs> annihilated me straight away. It was crazy, and then the when the screen came up, there was this like really strange message saying like disaster's gone. Um, Oh, you got grave lorded for the first time. Wow. And it was the weirdest thing ever. And I was like, God, I got to Google this. And then, and then after that, I just like spent hours on the wiki just laughing at myself. (laughs) 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 Yeah. It was crazy. Um, How many of the uh, like NPC quests and whatnot did you were you able to complete kind of on your own? Um, I actually completed. Um, I, I failed Solaire's, um, which was pretty sad. Um, I did Quelag's uh, Quelag's uh, sister. What's her name? Um, Quelana's. Quelana. That's right. I did hers um, because I was a pyromancer, so I'd, so I'd already like upgraded my. Um, my pyromancy flamed 10 and so that was fine and because I was part of the dragon covenant I found out about um, Sigmaier so um, which is oh wow that's a that's a pretty difficult one to get yeah yeah because I was constantly going down to that dragon to give him my dragon scales and so I I found him which was pretty good yeah he nice died with his daughter very sad Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty tragic end for Old Sigmire. Yeah, it was very tragic. That's really that's really impressive. Like you were you're finding some like seriously secret stuff out of this game. Like you know, like, I don't I have I don't think I've talked to anybody that has found you know Siegfried Baba himself. Like that's crazy. Yeah, I don't mean to keep saying that. Like I'm not acting like you're like I'm not. <laughs> it's just a weird thing. Like that's that's impressive as hell. Yeah, I I I I didn't. Yeah, I just I just got lucky. Like I really got lucky. I think mm-hmm. because um I think um. Yeah, I just really, really hated Blight Town. And so I just, like, tried to run away <laughs> from those, like, mosquitoes and stuff that, like, kept coming and coming and coming. And then um, and then I remember there were, like, these um, two chests, one in front of each other, and this, like, random patch on the wall, and so I punched it. And, um, yeah, it just opened up this other world. I was like, this is amazing! <laughs> so I just, <laughs> yeah, and then died so many times going down that tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we, i was talking about that with somebody the other day of like you know that that area the great hollow like as many times as i've gone down there like i i still don't think that i could like navigate down there once without dying now like it's been just a just long enough that i've probably forgotten like where the appropriate drops are and everything yeah exactly i, I still can't figure out how to get some treasure like i think i've left some treasure up there you know because i was just so sick of it i was like oh i just want to get to the bottom and then there's like big mushroom head of there just <laughs> One hit KO you. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> Do you have a particular favorite area of Dark Souls One, like a like or a, a favorite boss or, or what have you? Like, is there something that of from that game that sticks out the most in your mind? 
Oh, Ash Lake was definitely my favorite place. Like, I just loved it. I thought it was so beautiful. Um, and and I loved the contrast between it and Anna Londo. Anna Londo was, was spectacular, definitely. Um, <clears throat> I feel like- and, and Orlando is probably, like, the most, like, holy shit moment of, I think, oh. if, if just about any of the Souls games. Like, you've been kind of in the dark and murky castles, and then you come into this, like, beautifully clean and pristine city of the gods. Like, holy yeah. shit. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> like, I... I've never had that kind of like feeling about a place before. It was, yeah, it just really blew my mind. Yeah, it was beautiful. And did you go, like, once you finished up with Dark Souls, did you go back to go to play Demon Souls or did you kind of go on to, Demon, to Dark Souls 2? Um, so, what happened was, um, I think I started um, a new job and had really long working hours. So, I didn't pick up Demon Souls, even though I was meaning to. And then um, Dark Souls 2 came around and, you know, I, I unfortunately didn't pick it up. Basically, um, I saw this um, screenshot, I think, and it just had this, it was just like a box with um, just some texture on it. And I was just really unimpressed. And I read that Miyazaki wasn't on board and it was more about, you know, the PvP was great, but the lore perhaps a little bit you know, um, a little bit different. And so I actually thought that it, it lost the potential of the first two titles. And because PvP in Australia land, well, Dark Souls is lag souls. So, um, <laughs> which, which... That's that's not very much different from the, 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 soul, the PvP that we get everywhere else, so don't feel bad. Really? Yeah, because... Yeah, I'm, it's... Yeah. Because I, I, I remember I, I changed my, my build in Dark Souls just to play PvP. Um, I, I changed into like a, a Moonlight Greatsword magic user, like a mini Dark Sun Gwendolyn kind of thing. And um, just to, because I couldn't, I couldn't seem to, um, I don't know, they'd suddenly this like Havel sorcerer would be behind me backstabbing me. Like <laughs> and that was the end of the match. <laughs> And so I just, I just like spammed Crystal Homing Soul Mass so I could just, um, you know, have a chance of surviving. But um, yeah, a lot of people got a lot of dragon scales off me, I'm sure. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's an unfortunate part of Dark Souls 1 PvP. Of, um, you can very much abuse, like if you start circling around one another, um, you can very much abuse. It's not really lag at that point, but it's just the way that the game works, the way the game is like kind of negotiating where the players are in the world between two two different people. Yeah. And it, it it looks like on one person's end that you just teleported behind them and backstabbed them, but on the place, person that backstabbed you, it just looked like they walked behind you and backstabbed you. So oh, really? it's not it's not a great thing either way. And there's you know, but it, and it's definitely like. Most of my Dark Souls haters blog is filled with people that hated that. And that's, I think, the majority of where the, all that hate mail comes from. Well, that's how I found you because um, I've, I've never received hate mail before until I started on DS3. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a terrible place to know me from. It's the worst place to know me from. <laughs> no, I found it really entertaining. I just, I just didn't, like, I didn't know about the dark side of Dark Souls and, yeah. I know about it now. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it can be very unfun. Like that was the reason I started that site, and I've told this story a bunch. But like, it's because when I started doing Dark Souls One PvP, 
that was really my first like for real multiplayer game that I put any significant amount of time in. Yeah, so same with me. Yeah. And I I started getting these messages from strangers and I was like, this is insane. (laughs) Like this is hilarious and weird. I don't know what to do. So yeah. I, I didn't even know that. Like I was so at that point I, I was just getting into like, you know, the dark souls community and um, yeah. my wife had started a Tumblr. So like I just, you know, she was showing me stuff from Tumblr and I was like, Oh yeah, I wonder if there's anything about dark souls. Oh my God. There's everything about dark souls on Tumblr. <laughs> so yeah. And that's where you, I swear I started learning like the get good memes and all that stuff. So oh yeah. Giant dad build get good memes. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I came across all the wall actually in PVP. Um, it was really strange. Oh, really? Yep. And he let me pass. It was really weird. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was lag, but I was expecting him to push me off and he didn't. I just walked around him. My favorite thing about gimmick PVP builds on YouTube is the amount of uh, imposters that they spawn. Like, that's always like the best thing. So, like, you know, you can invade somebody's world and then all of a sudden there's like four giant dads running after you. Like, it's just insane. Yeah, it is hilarious. <laughs> I do love it when everyone matches up, it's, it's really great. Um, yeah, it brings a lot of fun and, and creativity to Dark Souls. I think, you know, it's like full of such um, creative people, you know, which, which made it yeah. really special. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely like watching that was really the first game that i ever watched anybody else like play like that was my first twitch game too like i would like watch these pvp people play and i'm like oh you know had the idea that every single scumbag does which is i can invade their stream <laughs> i could try to kill them what um i guess i got a little lost there for a second um so after dark souls one what were did what was your next souls game dark souls three um, actually. Okay, so yeah. you skipped Demon and Dark 2 and you went straight to Dark Souls 3. Yeah, That's interesting. Yeah. Have you played? Have you not played Dark Souls 2 yet at all? No, I haven't, but um, okay. I will play it. Like, um, it, yeah, I will play it. I'll give it a go. Stop being so um, narrow-minded. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's talk Dark Souls 3 because um, I'm interested in your perspective on this because Dark Souls 3 is very much like Dark Souls 1-2. Like, it's like the sequel to Dark Souls 1 that I think that uh, most of the players wanted when Dark Souls 2 came out, and now it's kind of has twisted around so now that they don't want that. So it's kind of hard to keep up with what the community is into nowadays. But how was it like... Oh, uh, the community's a bunch Picking of up Dark Souls... <laughs> <laughs> you should just shut up and enjoy the art, honestly. <laughs> really appreciate that um but yeah so yeah it was crazy because I I felt that maybe I would be um just like well I was definitely out of practice I hadn't played a Souls game for years so it was like between I think like 2012 and 2016 it was a couple of years and um and I didn't want to go as a magic build or a pyromancer because I had done that before I really just wanted to you know we would be fat sword um, and it was strange because I, I actually thought that I would be a bit behind on him. Um, and, and, um, but I wasn't, uh, it was just, uh, amazing. It was, you know, a lot of Dark Souls references in there and, you know, I, and I understood it completely where everything was coming on, coming from. And, and I got really nostalgic about it as well because I hadn't played it for years and everything. So it just like brought back a lot of memories. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, so I, I actually 
Um, and I was wondering why there were so many Dark Souls 1 references. And I was thinking that um, perhaps Miyazaki um, is just trying to just reiterate, you know, the core story of um, Dark Souls and he's just had to implement these things again so we can, you know, make the connections and, and understand it, you know, clearly. And then that's actually what happened. So, yeah, I have a better grasp about what's going on. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But, yeah, there's a lot of uh, f- familiar faces in Dark Souls Three coming off of Dark Souls One. Like, I mean, it's there's there's quite a few callbacks and like nods back 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 to it. So, uh, like when you were playing through the game, like when you would see, and um and spoilers are off the table by the way. You can talk about anything in the game. Oh really? Oh great. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Feel free to talk about anything. Um, <laughs> I mean, if there if if you have a Dark Souls fan who's listening to this podcast and not played Dark Souls Three yet, like that's their fault. That <laughs> 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 you should go play the game. <laughs> really should. Um, Oh, I just thought it was insane about how many summon signs there were. There were it just like oh, yeah. listed the floor. Like I was like, this is crazy. This game is like Were you playing the first week of release or like right when it came out? Um actually I think like a month after or so. Yeah. Okay. I think, yeah, just not first week of release, just a month after. Because I, I just had all this work to do. I was really pissed off, but um were you paying like were you paying you probably weren't paying attention to like the lead up to the game and you know the like when you saw like firelink shrine for the first time were you expecting to see firelink shrine at all like that's something that they had kind of put out there in the games press like oh yeah andre and firelink shrine like that that was all over youtube before the game was released were you seeing that for the first time inside the game first time first time i'm not a big social media person so i actually didn't see anything i i completely shut myself away from the dark souls community to just play the game holistically again just to get that same experience um that i had in dark souls one and um yeah i saw andre um bit like bit weirded out that firelink shrine was just like a teleportation place and not like an extension of the world and you know like uh compared to the level design of dark souls one i was just a bit miffed about that i was like oh okay it's a bit more linear maybe because you know there are new, newer players and stuff but um but maybe it was like a callback to demon souls where you're in the nexus and you can just teleport to worlds i don't know but um yeah i do remember like seeing pickle p and Pumperum, and um, when i got the <laughs> curl up gesture i like ran up there and like curled up in <laughs> The net, <laughs> like hoping to get taken away to somewhere else with violent that wasn't through the path. <laughs> yeah, I did exactly the same thing. Like I already had it when I when I found the nest, and I, I think I sat there for like a good five minutes. Like I was just looking at Twitter, thinking like it's going to happen anytime now. Like a crow is going to show up and take me to someplace cool. Like I know what's going to happen. Yeah, and I didn't. I was like really bummed out. <laughs> but, but yeah. Um, that was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, everything. What do you think? Uh, what? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, no, what were you saying? What do you think of the game kind of, and it's tough to like directly compare like a game, especially if it's a sequel to a previous game, but like as far as like the way that the story is told and the things that have happened, like where, where are you at on Dark Souls 3? Like, did you think it's a pretty good follow-up? Like, are you kind of way into the story? Because I, I see a lot of... I, I see a lot of people in this almost a 50-50 split of whether they really, really like the stories in Dark Souls 3 or whether it kind of left them cold. Oh, it's it's definitely an extension of the story in Dark Souls 1. Um, it's just uh, 
reiterating all these facts and um yeah I'm, I'm really enjoying it more it's actually given me more of a depth and insight into into like the themes that are playing out in these games yeah and um which is pretty cool and you know meeting the nameless king or sen uh, it was pretty interesting you know the hollow covenant leader <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yeah, all the have you done all the endings yet? Like, did you do the weird marriage and all that stuff? Like, all the kind of crazy stuff that's in there? Yeah, I did the the first ending I did was the upset. Um, that was that was pretty cool. So, which you know, I really do want to talk to you about about the lore and that. Um, well, not really the upset, but yeah, everything around that, really. Um, yeah, so I did that and um, did the linking of the fire, which is just like tiny little flame and you don't even get sacrificed which was interesting so that kind of changed the game a little bit and um yeah soul of cinder being like the embodiment of the dark souls community was pretty cool and um yeah i got a bit nostalgic when the green music came on i know that people <laughs> it, but because i hadn't played dark souls for years and i hadn't heard the track for years i was like wow this is pretty nice so <laughs> yeah I've um I've talked a little bit about it on the podcast how um either on this one or on Dark Insight but the uh by the time the Gwen music kicked in like I, th- I think I was just kind of because I had pushed myself to finish the game so fast I think I was just exhausted with the game and I was like oh yeah now now I got this okay it's fine <laughs> but s- since you know since then I like I go back and I listen to that piece of music and uh go sunburn that fight and I'm I'm still not quite happy with the fight mechanically yeah. I, I don't like bosses that kind of respawn their entire health bar like that seems like very and i know it is a jrpg but it seems yeah. like very like turn-based like 1995 oh, yeah. jrpg stuff to me um but yeah. overall like I, I think i'm a lot more positive about it than i was when i first encountered it yeah yeah and he he's a tough boss battle i think he's mm-hmm. pretty tough he, need, he needs to be ganked <laughs> <laughs> It is fun if you're, because we, we, you talked about the hollow ending there for a minute. Like, it is fun bringing Yuria and the uh, Black Hand, somebody, um, the Black Godard. Veil. Or no, not Godard. Godard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, bringing them in there with you. Like, that's that's really cool. And if, you know, she survives, you can go find her gear and her sword and all that stuff. I think that's really fun. Oh, she's a tank. He's like, he does his combo and she's just like standing there taking it. <laughs> like, how they is that really... lady doing that? Like, <laughs> I'm gonna use her in every single matter. <laughs> <laughs> They've really learned their lesson in in Dark Souls Two. Uh, like when the f- game first came out, like they had some NPCs that you could summon, and like they had barely any HP or really like any kind of smart AI. So like, and part of the thing with Dark Souls Two before like the re-release and patches is that you had your to, to continue their quest line they had to survive the boss fight so like you would bring them into a boss fight they would die immediately and you would just have to quit out to try to resummon them to start the boss fight over again oh. just to be able to see the end of their quest line it was really frustrating so I'm, I'm glad that they've kind of realized like nobody wants to do that stuff that's so harsh my god yeah <laughs> <laughs> well with all of the connections back to dark souls one is there like a favorite um is there like anything in Dark Souls three that like you saw that improved like the lore or the story from Dark Souls one in your mind? Oh yeah, most definitely. It was definitely Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn, um, and meeting Rosaria. Um, that 
Yeah, that really just sort of um, just because I, I really loved Gwendolyn in the first um, in Dark Souls. I thought he was just an amazing character. You know, so manipulative and elusive and powerful and 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 vengeful and you know, and yet he was like quite a, a soft character. And um, and he there was a lot of love put into his design as well. Um, and so. And I was rocking like the Gwendolyn set in Dark Souls. And so I was pretty familiar with it. And there were just a lot of like references to him, even though you don't actually see him, you just kind of see his um, puppeteered corpse. Um, there were just a lead up to the Aldrich fight. Um, there were quite a few like really interesting references. Um, so I started, I started researching about it and, um, and you know, and and started like questioning like the parentage of Lorraine Lothric and Gertrude, <clears throat> and like who Rosario really was and who Queen of Lothric was really was, and um, and I I basically started with the reversal thing. Um, so I think the item description says that um, it causes males to perform female actions. And mm -hmm. um, Gwendolyn was raised like a daughter um, through the aura of the moon. And then I think it talks about being a, a brooding goddess. <clears throat> and so, um, so I started looking at Greek gods and I came across um, one particular Greek god um, who's a minor Greek deity, um, Hermaphroditus, um, who is, if I just look at my notes, um, is a Greek deity of unions, androgyny, marriage, sexuality, and fertility, depicted with a feminine body and co costume, sceptered and mitred like a man. And you know that Gwendolyn wields a sceptre. Um, the deity represents the moon and that men offer sacrifice to the moon dressed as women and women dressed as men. So I, I and what I found interesting is that, um, that the, there's a link between hermaphroditus and the institution of marriage. And where you find the reversal ring is actually where you marry Anri. Um, and, um, and hermaphroditus um, symbolised coming together of men and women in sacred union um, and basically um, was a god, appeared at certain times among men, but there are some who declare that such creatures of two sexes are monstrosities and come rarely into the world as they have the quality of presaging the future, sometimes for evil and sometimes for good. And um, I think what was interesting was, was um, not only in his clothing, um, his golden crown was uh, had seven points, um, which is an image of the sun or a heptagram used in Christianity for creation and perfection. And um, the bottom, which contrasts to... Um, the very lower half of his um, being being that it's a snake, uh, like there are these serpents coming out. And, and uh, snakes have an affiliation with the moon because they so, show the passage of time like the moon does um, because they shed their skin and they can shapeshift and assume other identities, which Gwendolyn does in the first game. He assumes the identity of Gwendolyn, um, Guinevere, sorry, <clears throat> you know, who is really elusive. And just on a side note, I, I just think that Guinevere's illusion is so strong that it has, like, broken the fourth wall and 
you know, people are still enamoured by this vision of this gorgeous princess. So any references to miracles or suns, you know, she's immediately thought of. Um, but everything around her is a construct and even the ring that she gives you through Gwendolyn in both games, because I think in Dark Souls 3 he leaves it there and you don't see the illusion anymore because he's deceased. I don't think the, um, the descriptions are entirely truthful because he's very manipulative. Um, and basically I'm basing this on the fact because when you compare the descriptions in the ring of the firstborn and the sun princess ring, they both denote that the firstborn was born first and in the sun princess ring they, they call Guinevere the eldest daughter. And we know this isn't true. So, huh. yeah. So that's really interesting. So you, you and it, it's, it's associated with her. It's not actually her ring. So it kind of makes her maybe that she she might not actually exist. So that's um, so after that, I, I started looking closer at like uh, Gwendolyn's clothes and um, and the, the the dark moon bow that you get from Aldrich. And um, what's interesting about it is that you find feathers there, and he in the moonlight set. There are feathers on the back, golden feathers. And um, in the dark moon bow, there's a feather, in, in a golden feather in the dark moon bow. <clears throat> and then we, and the feathers hold the connection between Gertrude Gwendolyn, the priests reformed as mangroves, Lorien and Lothric, because you find feathers in the spell that they cast, definitely on the floor of um, Queen of Lothric's chamber room where you fight them. Um, the back of the mm-hmm. ascended wings knights who are also clad in gold. And gold is, is very symbolic, the colours um, um, in this game, because um, I think I've forgotten her name, the knight that serves Gwendolyn as a fire link um, shrine mistress of the brass, um, the brass armour set, you know, kind of gold, and the law trick has gold. Um, and you also find the feathers on the floor of Gertrude's Burge Cage prison. So also is that when you fight Lothric and Lorien, um, they use these two miracles that um, are really similar to Gwendolyn's moonlight magic, but they differ in colour. They're, they're like golden. Um, it's, okay. it's like a miracle version of Gwendolyn's moonlight homing soul mass. Um, basically when Gwendolyn casts like homing soul mass, they sort of like hang in the air and then they start moving towards you and then they, explode um and Mm -hmm. that's the kind of thing that um uh lothric also does and observe that lorian actually transports around the room via a miracle similar to gwendolyn's mode of transport like you know um gwendolyn's is like a vertical representation while lorian's is like a horizontal one um and also the connection between the physical features of the twins and the fact that Lothric has the same voice actor at Gwendolyn, as Gwendolyn is very suspicious. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so I started thinking about researching into him and um, I think it's pretty well known that Osiris is Osiris in Egyptology where he was revered, revered as the first undead, the first mummy and the king of the underworld. And um, he actually sired um, two deities to the mother goddess Isis, 
who was worshipped as the ideal mother and wife, as well as the patroness of nature and magic. Isis was also known as the protector of the dead and goddess of children. Um, so the thing is, the two deities born, perhaps posthumanly, being Horus, the adventure of his father, uh, um, you know, with the hawk head, and there's another mm-hmm. less known deity who's known as Harpacered or Hippocrates, Hippocrates, who is, um, you know, adopted by like um, Greek mythology, who is the second weaker premature child, um, and represents in Greek mythology the god of silence and secret, attributed with many protective and healing powers. And it is said that their image is inseparable. And there are accounts like there's a bit of a confusion whether Hippocrates is actually the younger version of Horus, and that Horus is Osiris' brother, and Hap or Hippocrates is the only son. But anyway, let's just say that they're two sons. Um, okay. <laughs> basically, this is the this is when it gets crazy. Um, they were. This is when it gets crazy. Yeah. <laughs> This is this is when um, Isis, so Osiris is murdered by his brother Set, and um, his wife, who is also his sister, um, retrieved all of the dismembered body parts um, except for his penis, which was thrown into the Nile and eaten by a fish. And wait for it, a crab. Yeah, a bloody crab. (laughs) (laughs) Crabs are finally explained in Dark Souls 3. That's where they're coming from. Okay, they're the penis eaters of the game. Now now I get it. Okay. Um, So also, um, this is all crazy speculation, but I just found it really interesting. But um, she used a spell to resurrect Osiris and, like, fashioned a golden phallus to conceive her son. Or she transformed into a white kite where she fans her wings to initiate a rebirth. That's when rebirth happened. So this is when I started thinking about Rosaria and Rosaria's chamber in particular. So I started exploring um, Cathedral of the Deep in, like, real deep detail. And um, there are several reliefs which are, like, repeated in the ceiling vaults, um, especially when you can see from the rafters and and they're repeated on the walls of a chamber. And um, basically one of them is depicting a flower. Another one is depicting a man sounding a horn with hooves and the possibility of wings. I'm not sure because um, maybe my TV screen doesn't have high resolution. Um, and then there's an arrangement of flowers with a mirrored image of a doe and a ram headed bearded man and the oddest one above the empty cradles is depicting a kind of animal which you know animals and dark souls are very strange um like mammal um most likely some kind of marsupial so i started researching these images i just thought because they just patterned all over the place i've really got to mean something so a man sounding the horn is a medieval representative representation of pan not the modern one with the pan pipes but the medieval one where he's um sounding a horn which signifies an alarm of war a call to assemble or a command to march um so we know that you become you get the red soapstone and um are allowed to invade through zaria's covenant so basically the worshippers of pan um believe that 
He was the force of nature, a man half goat, a god half man, connected to fertility, spring, and a mother goddess. He is infamous as a symbol of the golden age of man. And the golden age of man is like different ages um, in, you know, Greek mythology. And um, the golden age of man was, I think, the first. And that's where humanity enjoyed a period of primordial peace, harmony, stability, and prosperity. Um, they look primordial through. is the word that caused that's called out to me right there. Just yeah. thinking about you know the serpents and Dark Souls one. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but the significance of Pan's um, relief in this environment, especially in the Cathedral of Deep, where you know um, you have the idea of uh, this, you know conception of like religion is is probably the passing of the golden age um because basically um the death of pan came the advent of theology so pan is also representative as, as the death golden age and the death of the ancient order at the coming of the new and it said that pan died because christ was born and a void was made by the vanishing world of the whole mythology of mankind and which was filled with theology. And um, basically the people that depicted Pan in this kind of way were humanists and humanists being um, the philosophy centred on humankind opposed to institutionalised religion. So, um, and they basically, it is also a point to note that this is where the separation between man and beast and the beginning of the evolution of mythological, mythological symbols into religious ones. So this is when, you know, the process starts happening where, you know, Isis and her baby gets turned into the Virgin Mary and her, um, you know, okay. Christ and everything. It's, it's the starting the evolution. So the duality of these, like, beliefs in the cathedral of the deep and the, the kind of um, rift between them can be shown with the uh, covered statues of the weeping woman. And um, definitely like, you can see nature encompassing the cathedral. There's all these roots kind of just everywhere just, um, starting to tear down the walls and pull down statues. Um, you can see it coming out of the deacon's eyes and... Um, and you can see that um, some of the deacons have, like, renounced their faith and, and been, you know, sacrificed themselves to be rebirthed as mangroves, which kind of gives reason to why Rosario's fingers may target or work with the Aldrich faithful, like, um, you know, because there's a difference in belief there. But, um, you know, they, they don't, they're not necessarily enemies, but they're not necessarily friends. Um, so... What's interesting is that the Golden Age ended apparently when Titan Prometheus confirmed on mankind the gift of fire. So this is where the possum lookalike comes in. So I can't really decide whether it looks like a tree kangaroo or a possum. So I went to the library and borrowed this book called The Myths of the Opossum. And, um, and I discovered this, like, Mesoamerican mythology of a possum that wrenches or steals the fire from the gods and gives it to man and with results in its hair of its tail to burn off. And the relief actually has a fully bristled, like, bushy tail, so maybe the stealing of the fire from the gods hasn't happened, I'm not sure. But um, traits of the opossum is quite interesting because it has the ability to play dead. Play dead is a, a, a two words that you can find 
you know, in your message message bank. Um, so the opossum is actually able to self-induce a state of shock where they slow their heart rate, release a must scent of death, and appear dead to its predator. They can enter and leave okay. the state abruptly at will. Um, and in the symbolism and folklore, the opossum is associated with the need to change yourself, as in your appearance, or, or and to in order to succeed effectively and act in a strategic manner, which is quite interesting because as an invader, you have everything against you. Um, what's interesting okay. as yeah. well is that like the opossum has 13 nipples. They, they can have up to a litter of 50, but only 13 must survive. Um, the number is symbolic of the symbol of the sun, which is the 12 signs where the zodiac revolves. So the, be- the best relief, the best relief is, is the flower. So um, it perhaps is like a Tudor rose, but it doesn't have five leaves. Um, or it could be a lotus, but a lotus or a rose are both flowers of Isis. And, um, but the rose is more significant. So I'll talk about that because I, I think it might be signifying that. So Apparently, um, Eros, the god of love, gave a rose to Harpocrates, you know, the son, the, the weaker son, um, to ensure that his mother's indiscretions were kept under wraps. The, this gave rose, the rose a connotation of secrecy, which continued through the Middle Ages till today, as a rose suspended from the ceiling of a council chamber, similarly pledged all present that under the rose to secretly. Um, so... Of, and the rose was used in, in Isis's worship. So it's hence the Latin name Sub Rosa. And of course the name Rosaria. So which is pretty interesting. So whatever she okay. Okay. read about. So what I think, maybe this is completely speculation, but um perhaps storyline may be that the Dukes of Archives were ravaged by Osiris, who establishes the Grand Archives and becomes consumed. He understands Cassid's discoveries with the help of the first scholar Pontiff Sullivan. Um, Gertrude, who is a maiden to the Queen, is visited by an angel who may be front, who is an accessory to Gwendolyn um, to manipulate the linking of the fire. Um, and begins to spread the angelic faith of Lothric. Um, so also Gwendolyn is realising that um, the undead, that humanity is not no longer uh, strong enough to link the fire. So they, they require like a larger vessel of souls. They require, um, you know, lords of cinder. So, so perhaps this is where, um, to extend his age, this is perhaps where he starts um, manipulating Lothric, um, the kingdom of Lothric. So, so with his influence, Lorien slays the demon prince, you know, the demons being the rival kingdom, the declining Analondo in Dark Souls 1. Um, uh, Lothric begins to doubt the linking of the fire through Pontiff Sullivan's influence, um, perhaps as party to condemning Gertrude because she was, you know, kind of reminiscent of the way of white which were um, part of wanting to link the fire, um, which began the civil war. I think Osiris realises the parentage of his children, uh, perhaps not his own, 
um, perhaps copulates with Rosario as a dragon who flees after the birth of Ocelot and takes refuge in the Cathedral of the Deep. Because what is interesting about Osiris is that when he, the way he covets that baby and then says, he, for he is all that I have, um, saying that, that Ocelot is very singular um, and, 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 you know, so Gwendolyn at this time is knowing of his impending doom and, and the fact that his manipulation hasn't worked because of, um, you know, the influence of Pontiff Sullivan and everything and that the Lords of Cinder will not leap the fire. He leaves his ring in his chest, frees Yoshka, gives her his own chime, which is looks exactly like the clothing that he wears, um, and points mm-hmm. her as a covenant leader, becomes ill, and in his defeated state, perhaps willingly becomes devoured by Aldrich, um, the old saint who envisioned the coming age of the deep sea or the end of time um, in conspiracy with the pontiff. So Rosario at this time, you know, she's lost her tongue. We don't know who did it. But um, she establishes the Rosario finger competent to hinder the linking of the fire, which may give credence to why you receive a forked pale tongue from slaying a dark moon blade rather than a normal plate, like than a normal tongue, maybe signifying that the that the Gwendolyn, the previous covenant leader, was um uh false in his, you know, was a false had falseness. So um the the Fear. Yeah, like he was t- okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. what's that? Yeah. Go ahead, go oh. ahead. I didn't interrupt. Um mm-hmm. so the fingers are established to serve the speechless goddess, who is actually the true deity of this world. Um, because also the Dark Moon Blades are no longer vengeful, vengeful spirits, but they're revengeful spirits, which means that Quinzelin's death has already occurred by the time you get to that covenant. Um, so my conclusion of this whole interpretation is a couple of, there's a couple of outcomes. Um, one of them is that Rosaria with the, the two cots um, beside her, beside her very near to her bedroom, um, near her bed, sorry, um, is the mother of the twin princes, Lorien and Lothric. Um, Gwendolyn is perhaps the father and mother of Gertrude and related by blood to Rosaria. If if Rosaria is the daughter of Guinevere and Flame God Flan. Um, and he and Gwendolyn actually may also be the father of the twin princes. Um, leaving Ocelot being the only child of Osiris and true heir to Lothric kingdom. So that's one outcome that I thought. <clears throat> Second outcome, which is even crazier, is that Rosaria is actually Gwendolyn's mother. And that and their um, copulation... Is Gwendolyn's mother? Yeah. And, um, okay. And, okay. And their copulation produced, um, produced the, the twins. So I, I I don't know, like like you never know, but yeah, just that's that's just kind of what I gathered from it. Um, but definitely, it's a it's a shame that you don't have a YouTube channel with this because this is like some primo body video stuff that you're throwing out right now. This is really really good. Oh, really? Oh, that's thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you should um like 
you know, the, the, this this podcast will probably come out in a few weeks. But like, you should you should write this stuff up and throw it on Reddit because I think you know I bet you could have some some real lively debate with people about all of these stuff that you're linking together. Like, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really great. Um, yeah, I'd love to do that. I really I really should do that. Um, <laughs> what's it? What's it? Reddit. Um, like which which Reddit though the the salty souls one because that's the one I read. <laughs> you know, I actually know a couple of uh, um, Dark Souls Reddit admins on Twitter. Oh, really? So I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll ask them and see, like, you know, ask them. Um, one is Sean, the, the lore hunter, and I know he would get a huge kick out of all this. In fact, I might let him listen to this early because I know he'll be real excited about it. Um, oh, that'd be. But great. yeah, I'll, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll touch base with them and see where you should put this. this. This is really, really good. This is probably the most well-researched thing that anybody has ever said on this podcast <laughs> after, you know, 40-something episodes that I've recorded so far. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I just, Dark Souls taught me pretty well, like, the first game. So, I, yeah, and because of all the callbacks in Dark Souls 3, I'm like, why is he doing all these callbacks? Oh, because I wasn't, I was, like, too dumb to understand the story in the first place. Okay. I'll just have a look. <laughs> so I just started researching and sort of read up what I didn't know. And, you know, and that bloody possum in the wall. I was like, why did you put a possum in the wall? Like, seriously, it's so weird. And, yeah. Been... <laughs> I never I never even noticed it was there. So you're, you're doing better than I am. Yeah. And all the flowers, like the flowers and flowers on the, on the, on the cradle, cradle heads and everything, you know. But, yeah, pretty interesting stuff. That's for sure. There's a lot of detail in these games. I'm very impressed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's um, I, I kind of want to end it there. Like this, that was such a, <laughs> that was such an amazing story. Like I don't think I've ever been that quiet during my own podcast before. That was awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was really really good. Um, you, you mentioned that you don't really have much of a social media presence. Uh, is there a place that people can get in touch with you or do you have anything that you'd like to, like a, a website or a blog or anything that you'd like to plug? Yeah. Um, yeah, actually. So I'm just, I mentioned to you that, that I'm starting a project. Um, I basically, I'm so impressed with like all these talented and creative people like um, that are part of the Dark Souls community. And, you know, the series is ending, um, you know, the, when you fight Soul Cinder and under the eclipse, you know, read up what the eclipse means. But um, yeah, it just feels like you know it might be the end, and you know, in the future he might do one again. But you know, definitely the community that's playing it right now with all the new people and the old people, it's great. So, um, so I want to start a YouTube channel uh, dedicated to these players, and I'm calling it the Grand Archives which is in translation in Japanese, The Great Library. So I'm having uh, playlists. Um, one is the knight, one is the hunter, one is the scholar, and one is the priestess. And um, basically all those playlists are just going to be links to other YouTubers and other Dark Souls um, people. I'm not uploading anything. It's just linking back to their own YouTube channels. Just about... Um, uh, how brilliant creative they are. So the knights are basically going to be people who, you know, um, just struggle through or um, do soul one, you know, soul level one battles, um, parry pontiff, crazy stuff like that. Um, the hunters are definitely going to be the trolls, the trolls and the gankers. Um, 
<laughs> the scholars are going to be all of the law people, all of the research that they've done like over time and, and their questions and speculations, um, you know, and, and the priestess is fashion souls. And, um, and, um, <laughs> I like that. That's, that's a really cool idea for a YouTube channel. Yeah. 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 Cause I, I just thought it'd be great because we don't really have like something like in the Nexus where you can see like all the best builds and everything, but I don't think it's about being the best. I think it's what you've discovered and what you've learned and what your experiences along the way that has made you that, um, special Dark Souls character. So I just want to upload those things and, and the last, the last playlist, which is my favorite playlist, is the Calamity. Calamity ring, whoever wears that, why is it there? Double damage. Anyway, it happens. So that's just going to be all of the crazy, crazy stuff that people do in Dark Souls. Like, um, you know, the crazy blood stains, ridiculous messages, um, <laughs> just um, funny cosplays, you know, ridiculous builds and all of that like humor that you know kind of makes this dark world, world just like a really lively place so yeah so I'm, I'm starting that up and I've, I've trolled through like millions of videos and I've only found about 50 that I think best represented so I would love it if people could help me and send in their links and I'll definitely link it up link them up into the playlist and you know so there's a so if anyone you know wants to to um, visit the Dark Souls series in the future instead of because they probably don't know about these giant dad builds and stuff they they could just go to this one website and find their favorite channel person and just from that and then go to their channel and you know discover all this stuff just all in one place so yeah that's what I'm trying to do yeah so what's the have you set up the YouTube channel already yeah I have I haven't made it public yet um Okay. But uh, my email address is gxldtxxth11 at gmail.com. So it's my PSN name, which is Goldtooth. So you can find me on the PSN network. I'm rocking okay. uh, Golden Dragon Tooth. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I would, I would love to hear from people. That'd be great. I'd love to talk to you. Excellent. And I'll, I'll encourage people to hit up the YouTube channel as well as to send in their links and stuff when this, when this goes public. So yeah. again, th thank you very much Fiona, oh. for coming on. I, I really, really appreciate it. This has been a, like a really entertaining hour. I thank you very much for guesting on the show. Oh no, I appreciate you talking to me. Thank you so much. That's been brilliant. Yeah, it's, be it's been good. Like just, you know, getting it all out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can imagine. This sounds like you have done, like, I don't know how long it took you to, to put all the lore stuff that we talked about together, but it sounds like it's, it probably took you a, a good little while. Yeah, it did. It, piecing it all together and going back into the game and exploring it, it took a while. So, yeah, definitely would. It was worth it. But um, still, you know, all the questions will not be answered in the DLC. There will only be more questions. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it'll be really interesting. Of course. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how... Uh, how from play this and, and I extend this whole narrative and maybe everything all the research I did will be false by then but who knows <laughs> yeah well as always I've been your host Jeremy Greer you can find me on Twitter at JG Greer you can find this podcast on Twitter at DGUS podcast 
Um, if you want to come on like Fiona did and tell your version of your soul story, uh, send me an email to dguspodcast at gmail.com, or you can just DM me on Twitter. And remember, always, don't give up, skeleton. <laughs>